Good Wednesday morning, everybody. This is how I'm going to talk today. Wednesday, Wednesday. You sound like. Oh, you sound like what's his name? Oaken. Oaken from Frozen. Huh? Huh? The uh, who's Oaken? The the big guy with the when when Kristoff and Anna go to the they find the place in the woods. You have to Shut say up. a noun. <laughs> you can't just keep saying articles of a sentence. When they go to a, uh, they go to the the place uh, where. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to you right now. Okay. Hello, family. Is that the guy yes. you're talking about? Yes. The guy in the sauna, the sauna shop, yes. whatever. When they venture into the mountains in search of Elsa. And she loses her horse cloak and freezes her dress solid in the process. She arrives at Wandering Oaken's trading post and sauna. Wandering Oaken, yeah. Okay, I get you. Supply and demand, you know. That's what you sounded like. This is how I'm going to talk today. This is how I'm going to talk today, family. (laughs) Welcome. Coming up on today's show, uh, we are continuing our look at singleness with seven lies about singleness, plus the latest news, random facts, and artist news and social media. What? What? But first, it is February 20th, and we got a few holidays to celebrate, don't we? We do. We do. We do. We do, mate. We do. So you're going to be Oaken and I'll be Merida. <laughs> the two the two Disney movies merge. Um, bravely Frozen. Number one. <laughs> or Frozen Bravery. That sounds bad. Frozen Bravery. That means you're not brave. I was going to say. <laughs> it means in a bad um, situation. Um, um. That's you, Matt. <laughs> Panicked. The whole movie, just a guy who's panicking. <laughs> yep, that would be your life story. Um, number one, clean out your bookcase day. Hey. All you people that buy books but don't read them. <laughs> Throw it away. Actually, you know what? I have several books that I've bought and never read. I have intention of reading them. I feel like they'd make me a better person. Okay, can I say something? You can. You're going to think it's inappropriate, but it's not, okay? So just That's stick with me. never a, a good start. <laughs> just stick sense. with me for a minute, okay? So, after you have children, things change, okay? <laughs> so after I had the boys, intimacy with Chris and I was no longer the same. So I bought this book that was supposed to be... <laughs> Glossing over that sentence real quick. <laughs> This is the inappropriate part that I was talking about. Super quick. But just stick with me. Okay, so this was when Dr. Phil was still a real thing, okay? And there was an author on well, his show about on that? an episode who had wrote a book called Real Sex for Real Women, okay? And I thought, oh, I'm going to read that book so that I can understand what's going on with me. Why I'm feeling the way that I'm feeling. Listen, it's a real thing, okay? Gotcha. Women everywhere board. are... They all are them, understanding. They're me. all saying, I get it. Okay. I saw that episode of Dr. Phil. <laughs> right. So I bought the book. I did not ever read the book, but just having the book made me feel better in some way. <laughs> just having the book, I'm like, yeah, I understand this thing now. That book has moved three separate moves, four separate moves with us. I haven't given it away, partially because I feel kind of weird about giving it away. 
But it sits on our bookshelf in our family room, mixed in with other books. And I, I'm just always hopeful that nobody will ever actually look at our bookshelf to see it. Well, when we hosted D Now last week. Right, that's one of those books that you should be hiding under your bed. <laughs> when we hosted D Now, like I've got everything out because that's the room that the boys slept in. I've got their beds all made, ready to go. You know, I looked looked at Chris. I was like, are we ready for this? Can we do this? And he's like, yeah, we're good. We got this. And then he darts over to the bookshelf and grabs that book off and he's like i think this might be one thing that we need to put away though <laughs> so so you're putting I that succeed. book on a pedestal in your life how's that how do you feel about that how's that working out for you all right dr phil i'd rather have oaken back please <laughs> anyway so clean off those bookshelves people so that i had you don't a family have- and then things weren't the same <laughs> It's the truth. It's a real thing. We bought a book, you know, and, <laughs> and then never read it, but you know, but things helped. got better. You know, it was a mental thing, I guess. And, <laughs> yeah. Now my wife and I are always in the sauna together, and it's good. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with you. Number two. That was a long holiday there. That was a long holiday, and now I feel really weird, like going into this next holiday. <laughs> like a part of me doesn't feel right about it. <laughs> Number two, love your pet day. An appropriate amount, please. Love your pet an appropriate amount. Stop calling it children. They're not your they're not your fur babies. Ugh. I wanna gag every time someone says the word fur baby. Oh no, you know what bothers me even more than that? What? I can get behind somebody who is late in life, hasn't found their spouse, wants to have kids, but all that they have are their fur babies. <laughs> okay, fine. I can get behind that. What irks me to no end is when their parents that person's parents refer to their their child's pets as their fur grandbabies (laughs) no they don't get a christmas card they don't get christmas presents and a christmas stocking they don't get a birthday present (laughs) that's dumb yeah that okay it's also National Cherry Pie Day. We went off a weird tangent on the Love Your Pet Day. We did. Didn't even really give it a fair shake, I don't think. <laughs> uh, pets are pets? important. Pets are useless. Hey, hey, we've talked about whether or not there will be animals in heaven. Uh, animals are important. Pets are an important part of life. Okay. They teach responsibility and... National Cherry Pie Day. Love. <laughs> and so this is one of those sexual <laughs> things. You don't like cherry pie, do you? No, 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 I do. Oh, okay. That's the weird thing. I have, you know, you were talking about yesterday that you had a problem with textures. Mm -hmm. I have a big problem with textures too, except when it comes to pie. Pecan pie with the gooey snot consistency of the, the sugary goop. Yeah. And cherry pie with the gooey. Cherries. Pop, popping little. Puss ball cherries. <laughs> Doesn't neither of those. You've just ruined cherry pie for most of our viewers. I want you to know that. Neither, none of those bother me. I'm absolutely fine with those textures. But if it's anything else with the exact same kind of texture, I'll gag. I don't know. I don't know why. You're weird. <laughs> Chris loves cherry pie. It is yeah. his favorite pie. We have to have it for every stinking holiday. Every birthday, really? but he has to have it with ice chocolate ice cream on top. Ooh, 
That's it, weird. But it's so good. But yeah, it sounds I will, good. But yeah. it's just it's weird that that's like he uh, that's his demand. So yeah, <laughs> piping hot piece of cherry pie. Okay. And he prefers like he cream. doesn't even like me to make the homemade cherry pie. I tried it, and he's like, you could have just bought the Sara Lee. Yeah, frozen one. I'm that way too. There, there are some people determined to make the pies. I'm like, especially like around Thanksgiving mm-hmm. with pumpkin pie or, yeah. or pumpkin or pecan. Yeah. That matter. Some people are like, I'll make you a homemade one. It'll be so much better. And I'm like, I'm fine with the Walmart pie. It's yeah. great. And I always, yeah, I had, I have to, I have to corner my mother-in-law every year because I'm the only one really that likes pecan pie. And yeah. she kept trying to make me one. Mm-hmm. And while it was good, I would have been just fine. Save yourself the, the hour. Yeah. Just buy the Walmart one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm absolutely fine with the Walmart one. Oh. I actually crave the Walmart that's one. That's true. That's, that's actually what I look forward to, and <laughs> now you're taking it away from you're me. You're depriving me of what I truly want. <laughs> uh, hey, quick question. Do you uh, like stories? Ooh. Are you sitting around waiting for Tolkien or Lewis to rise from their graves so they can write you another amazing fantasy story? Well, there's no need to wait for resurrection technology to catch up because Michael P. Mordenga, the creator of the game Sunday School Answers, wrote a novel called The Boy and His Curse that any fan of classic fantasy will fall in love with. This story stars Ethan Miyoko, a high school boy who wanted to get his driver's license, and on his road exam, he accidentally hits an old lady and gets eternal bad luck. So now, instead of a driver's license, the world is trying to kill him. With vicious dogs, house fires, and furniture falling on his head. His only escape is to a mythical world of Feria, where a tribe of self-righteous fairy people who live in absolute paradise must take him under their wing. I won't give away the rest, but there are epic battles, lots of swords, gigantic monsters, awkward relationships, spiritual points to brag to your pastor about, and tons of bizarre humor. Fans are saying that if you like Lewis's Space Trilogy or Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, that you will have no trouble eating up this story. The Boy and His Curse is two ninety nine. $2.99. That's it on Amazon Kindle. Or it's free if you have Kindle Unlimited or Amazon Prime. The Boy and His Curse will be your next great addiction. Oh, buy it today. It's good. It's a good book. Good, good book. Job. Good book. Cheap. Good book. It's worth it. I mean, what's stopping you? You got three bucks. You got three bucks in your pocket right now. I have no money in my pocket. <laughs> you don't get to tell me what Wait, hold I on, have. But you have Amazon Prime, right? I do. So it's free for you. Yeah. So just pick it up, man. Okay, got get it. it. Download it. I'll actually do it Read right it. now. Let's do it. Okay. Here's the news, everybody. Japanese women are pushing back against a tradition that dictates they must give chocolates to male colleagues on Valentine's Day. And they're pushing back with growing anger at the practice of forced giving. Until recently, women in the workplace were expected to buy chocolates for their male workmates as a part of a a tradition called giri choco, literally obligation chocolates. Nice. A survey found that 60% of women will instead buy chocolates as a personal treat on or, well, this past Valentine's Day. Just 35% saying they plan to hand out chocolate treats to men at the workplace, according to a poll by a Tokyo department store. So this is weird. This is one of those cases of a, you know, a holiday that is celebrated by a lot of the world, but a completely opposite practice almost mm-hmm. than America. 
Yeah. That women in the workplace, and this isn't even for their spouses or their significant no. others, they're just expected to bring chocolates for the men in the workplace. I feel like this is very wrong on so many levels. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't come off like it's a rule, like it's a enforced thing, but it just no, comes it off as obligated. Uh, it, obligation yeah. chocolates. <laughs> it comes off as a social <laughs> obligation, you know? Like, this is just, this is what's done kind of thing. Right, but and that's weird. like... Yeah. yeah. Social obligations are real obligations. Like, you don't do But I them. mean, I don't think they'd be fired for it, is what I'm saying. Sure, they wouldn't be fired, but they'd have to live with the repercussions of not bringing chocolate. Let me tell you. <laughs> okay. If I was a job- <laughs> Let me tell you something right here. <laughs> Stop picking on me. <laughs> You're foaming at the mouth. <laughs> if I was a Japanese woman in the workplace, I think I would go buy a thing of Hershey's Kisses, open every single one, and Loudly. spit in it. No, I'd oh. spit in it, oh. rewrap it, and give my obligation chocolates out with great That's pleasure. Awful. You know what? You can't tell me that I have to give somebody chocolate. If I got to give somebody chocolate, I might be giving them whatever cold I have that week, too. Megan, that is impractical. You can tell I mean it because I used your real name. (laughs) (laughs) You're going to sit there and unwrap a hundred kisses and then try and rewrap them perfectly and expect them not to notice why is my chocolate all wet. Here's what you do. You buy some baker's chocolate, you go home, you heat it up, and you spit in that. Maybe blow a snot booger in that. And then you make your own chocolates. Okay. And then you hand them out. And they're none the wiser. And they're going to eat those things. And like, oh, homemade chocolate. They're going to eat it first. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got away with something. <laughs> you ain't going to get away with spitting in kisses. <laughs> uh, you got to engage the evil part of your brain here, you, though. <laughs> listen, you got to remember... I'm a lot of things, and stubborn is the top of them all. <laughs> you so, want people to know I spit in the I would, Yeah, I would dig my heels in like no one has ever, ever, ever seen before. Well, okay. At least, like, lick the chocolates instead of spitting in it. Because that, like that way you get a little there. bit of chocolate, too. <laughs> You gotta come out ahead. That way, I get a little bit of pleasure. <laughs> yeah, like, mm, that's a good kiss. All right, Phil can have this one. <laughs> Phil in accounting—that's your chocolate. <laughs> yep, totally. I would. Oh, I would totally do it. I almost kind of wish it was a social obligation here, just so I could do it. Uh, a woman Tell in Taiwan. Me what to do. <laughs> a woman in Taiwan has discovered that the blood donor who saved her life eleven years ago. Is now her husband. What? Lin Xiaofen needed emergency treatment after a near fatal car crash long before she met her husband, Lian. Oh, Zicheng. 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 Hey, good job. Uh, she was given 10 pints of blood and two of isola- uh, isolated platelets while she was in a critical condition, China Times reports. Lin met Lian two years ago and told him about the accident. He told her he was a regular blood donor, so she contacted the hospital and read out her husband's 
identification number. They confirmed that it had actually been her husband's blood that saved her life nearly a decade before they officially met. Okay. I got it. Like, here's my cynical side already. (laughs) I feel like this is a really nice story, but I can't help but wonder if she didn't call the hospital and was like, listen, my husband told me that he's a blood donor. And so many years ago, I had to have a blood transfusion. And I just think maybe it's possible that he was my donor. And they go, yep, records show that he was. We're so happy for you. I would You're need physical proof. I know I am. I know I am. They read the identification number off of the No, thing. she read the identification number Did to she? the people at the hospital. So that, like, I can see myself doing oh, this. Yeah, you're right. I can she see did. myself calling the hospital and being all, I just need to know, da 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 da. And then I can also <laughs> Four, see seven, myself. Seven, eight, nine. Yep, that's what we got over yep. here, too. Congratulations. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. You're the sorry. Worst, I, the I know. Worst today. I know. I'm I know. What, sorry. What's in your coffee this Something morning? Something about Wednesday. Goodness gracious. It's hump day. <laughs> And we're going to end on a hopeful note for a change this week. What? Kevin Briggs has been called the Guardian of the Golden Gate Bridge. He got the nickname while working as a California Highway Patrol officer more than 23 years ago. Briggs spent most of that time positioned on the Golden Gate Bridge. But the job turned out to be a lot more than he originally thought he was signing up for. When Briggs started out in 1994, he was trained to handle traffic incidents, but had never received training on how to deal with people contemplating suicide. Mm -hmm. Since then, Kevin has talked more than 200 people standing on the edge of the bridge out of jumping. How cool is that? Isn't that fantastic? Kevin, you have earned that nickname guardian of the golden gate bridge Mm -hmm. that's the thing about like when i was when i was a kid and i first saw like the suicide commercials where they had the hotline suicide Mm -hmm. hotline Mm -hmm. i always thought well what i mean what good is that what good is that going to do someone talking on the phone to somebody but i I have come to realize the more that uh, i've experienced different people dealing with suicide and I even had my own uh, very near attempt. Mm -hmm. Sometimes really just having one simple conversation with somebody is enough to snap you out of that. Sometimes somebody just speaking a simple truth like, hey, this point in your life is not going to last forever. Yep. What's bad right now is not going to be as bad Two years from now, three mm-hmm. years from now, things are going to change. And so now I am fully supportive of, you know, call the hotline. Let's be more aware of what's happening. Let's try and seek these people out, mm-hmm. which uh, is something that's kind of hit our community. Yeah. Lately, we've had three people in the last month. No. No, there's three people. Two have been high school students. One was a 30 year old man. Oh. Yeah. In our community. I did not know that. One, yeah, one even jumped. Mm-hmm. We had someone jump from a, a old hotel that's now an apartment building, but they're called Hotel Clovis here. The tallest building in our. It is, yeah, it is our tall. It's just only like what seven stories tall. It's not very tall. No, it's nine. Is it nine? I read that okay. in the article. I mean, not that seven is different <coughs> from nine that much, but it's, yeah, enough. Yeah, but uh, yeah, the last time that anyone remembers that happening, anyway was in 1953 yeah. the last time someone jumped off that building 
but it's just it's so it's heartbreaking to to know that people get to that point mm-hmm. where they feel like this is the end, especially when they're young, mm-hmm. which is where I was at too. And thank the Lord that my uh, best friend from Hobbs had called right at the moment I was about to do something because that conversation snapped me out of it. Yeah. That made me realize, okay, hold on. There are still people who care that care about me. Mm-hmm. And just because I'm miserable now doesn't mean I'm going to be miserable forever. Yeah. That's, that's kind of what had to happen. And it's just, that's the, that's the encouragement I guess I would have is try and seek these people out. If you mm-hmm. see somebody, somebody isolating themselves or somebody who seems down all the time, check on them, talk yeah. to them. It, that one conversation might be the thing that saves their life. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I give all the credit in the world to people like Kevin Briggs who go out and talk to people actively in the situation. Mm-hmm. Because, gosh, that's so necessary. Yeah. It's so necessary, and it's often just the thing that needs to happen to snap them out of it. Ah, Coming up later in the show, we are revisiting the topic of singleness, continuing our thought from yesterday. We've got seven lies about singleness. So stick around for that. We'll be back at the top of the hour. Morning show here on this Tuesday, second hour. We are glad. No, it's, so, it's Wednesday, Matthew. Is it Wednesday? It is not Tuesday. It is definitely Wednesday. Oh, where are my head? Oh, wiki wiki Wednesday. I'm sorry. I just wanted to give you all an extra day. <laughs> no, everybody else is ready to finish their week. They're like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> you don't want me to extend the beginning of the week and make Friday even further away?" Okay, no. fine. Fine. Well, we got some random facts. Let's get us into some. Solid territory here. (laughs) All right. Number one, the average British worker spends 36 days a year answering work emails. That is so many emails. I would like to know, like, what the comparison is to the average American worker. Well, we don't have that fact, so. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Number two, recycling one aluminum can saves enough energy to run a TV for two hours. Nice. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I was going to say... That's part of the the Green New Deal that the Democrats yeah. are pushing. Yeah. Where if we want to watch TV, we have to recycle aluminum cans. Okay, but see, like that right was there. my thought. We're going to make a device that plugs directly into your TV. And you just have to keep feeding it cans. Okay, but this is so <laughs> dumb. Like... <laughs> Why? No, this is dumb. Because... What comes in aluminum cans? Not very many things healthy. Right. <laughs> and so in order to watch TV, I have to consume something unhealthy first. Just drink that soda. Hey, you got sparkling water that comes in cans? Yeah. yeah you can do that. Drink your Coke <laughs> and then sit on the couch for two hours and watch TV. I, I just... 
But hey, that's a pretty good deal, though. Two hours for one can. Sure. It's not terrible. I, it's not like you got to down a six-pack every hour. Originally, I was thinking, in order to let my boys play video games or watch TV or anything, I'm gonna, they're going to have recycle. to pay an admission price. <laughs> but then I thought, I don't really want them drinking a can of soda. <laughs> In order this, to watch TV. This isn't going to work, Cort- uh, Casio-Cortez. Yeah, Take it out dumb. of the green deal. This is dumb. This is stupid. I, why has no one else realized that yet? Why am I the only person who gets it? That's not really in the Green New Deal. <laughs> <laughs> What's in the Green New Deal is more reasonable things, like eliminating air travel. <laughs> and, and rebuilding every house and building <laughs> in the country. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. I mean, duh. Gosh. Okay. I just don't need... Matt, I'm... I I don't know. I may need to take a break We're from... We're taking crazy pills. I know. I may need to take a break from the morning show for a little while. I feel just like I'm becoming... regain like, my sanity. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, an ostrich could run the New Mexico, the New York Marathon in 45 minutes. I was like, hey, we have a marathon. <laughs> so I think, isn't the, I think the world record for running a marathon is like an hour and a half for, a, for a dude. I have no so idea. So an ostrich could cut that in half. I don't, I just don't, that's, that's 26.2 miles in an hour and a half. I'm pretty sure the only reason I know that is because it was on some instant fail blog where somebody had tweeted just run a marathon uh in an hour best or that's my personal best and someone tweeted back to them yeah well the world record's an hour and a half so good luck with that hmm. i'm googling it <laughs> uh the next this one is, is i'm like this is your segment you can't google it <laughs> the creator of the pringles packaging had his ashes stored in a pringles can after he died i thought we talked about this i think yeah it might have been a thing before one but of our news imagine, stories imagine stories. yeah i think it was a new story you're right yeah imagine though like you know now my father's passed away and so we have him in an urn that's yeah. in our house and i've said it on the counter before and i have little kids imagine a pringles can Sitting on a counter with a little kid who loves chips. <laughs> no. Just imagine what would happen Mm-mm. there. <laughs> no. And what would end up happening, especially if it's a younger kid, is they would open it, realize there aren't <laughs> chips in there, there are ashes. And they'd be like, but they wouldn't think ashes, they would think crumbs. And so right. they'd just tip it right. upside down. <laughs> because there are little pieces of like white yeah. white bone in there. And they're yeah. like, hey, it's the original flavor. Yep. <laughs> Someone really shook around this can. Mm-hmm. And they're that color, too. They're like a white color. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone thinks ashes. They think black or, or gray. gray. Yeah. They're like a... They're they're slightly gray, but they're... they're More of a mostly white. Mostly an like off-white. Yeah. And, yeah, I see that immediately happening. <laughs> yeah, no. Okay, so I got to come back real quick. The fastest... Fastest marathon ever... Two hours and three minutes and two seconds. Oh, okay. Two so, hours but and three still, minutes. Still a lot, though, still, it's a lot of miles. Yeah. Uh, okay, and lastly, the longest plank ever was held for eight hours and one minute. Heck no. <laughs> abs for days. Right? That guy's got a, an eight-pack of abs. 
Because he's got a nine pack. He's got, he got an extra ab right there in the middle from the plank. <laughs> he got a plank for a plank. He got an ab for every you, hour. Can he you held imagine your core strength? How strong your core would have to be See, to hold a plank? I feel, and it's not just your core, but it's your shoulders yeah, as shoulders, well, your legs, legs it's your, you know, whole your thing, hips. Yeah. Oh, I think my hips would go before anything. <laughs> um, but I, I half wonder if you get to that point where you no longer feel pain and it's just like, <laughs> it's mind over matter at that point. You know what I mean? Like I've watched enough survivor challenges and seen how they work yeah. to where finally the competitor yeah. just passes, like <laughs> passes the point of feeling and he just competes. This is who I am now. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We got a few artists, social media, and news updates for you today. Jamie Grace says her first name idea for her new baby has been nixed by her husband, Aaron. She posted over the weekend on the phone with Aaron, and he says we can't name the baby Taco Pizza. You're supposed to name the kid something you love. It's a genius <laughs> idea. Jamie did announce plans for a gender reveal this week. She said the couple will reveal their first baby's name in June. Newsboys member Jeff Frankenstein, which I still don't believe that's his real name, was talking <laughs> recently about the band's latest endeavor, Newsboys United. The band's keyboardist was featured uh, in an article by The Morning Call. Uh, he says the idea surfaced after the band hit an impasse while working on a song nearly two years ago. They reached out to former frontman Peter Furler, Furler. Uh, who completed the song and then added his own voice. The song, The Cross Has the Final Word, went to become a top 20 Christian chart hit. And Jeff says one thing led to another. That chance decision led to Newsboys United, a sort of super group of members from the band that, in a career of more than 30 years, has had 20 top 30 Christian albums. Hmm. Have you heard the new one, uh, The Greatness of Our God? No. That's the new one that's that's been official like this is officially a Newsboys United song nope. recorded for I only that listen to Back Row Radio and you aren't playing it on I there. I am too. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. So uh, honestly, it's like I don't I don't hate Tate being the uh front man of the band. I don't hate the music they've produced, a lot of it's really good. It's just not newsboysy enough for me. Yeah. Based on the original style of the band. But What's I What's an original song the newsboys sing? Shine, Take Me to Your Leader, uh Breakfast. The yeah, I don't Breakfast think that I listen to the newsboys. Oh gosh. You need to pick up uh Shine the Hits. Yeah. It's uh, all the best ones. All the best ones. Anyway, I really love them as a uh, super group. Yeah. And I feel like they should stay that way forever. Casting Crowns Juan DeVivo says... It's your favorite name. Duncan, Duncan Donuts is forcing him to live with integrity. He pointed out, they hand you your donuts in the drive-thru at Duncan Donuts before they take and run your card. You could just drive off before they even charge you for it. But you have to live with that integrity life. <laughs> hey, it's true. Uh, also, we don't have a Dunkin' Donuts we don't, Well, we do. We have kind a, of. Yeah. We have a Dunkin' Donuts Express out on the highway past city limits. <laughs> it is past city limits. Where, but it's right down the street from my house. And they don't make it. They don't make the donuts here. I'm pretty sure they travel from Lubbock every day. Yeah. But they're good. <laughs> they're all right. 
But you can't. It's not a drive-through. You got to get out of your car. You do. To go you do have them. to go inside a pilot gas station. Yeah. To get them. Uh, also from Casting Crowns, Megan Garrett says a year can bring a lot of change. She posted this time last year. I was walking the red carpet at the Grammys. A year later, I'm walking through Kroger in my pajama pants. <laughs> <laughs> So lastly, we got a pretty big uh, news story that came out uh, over the last week. Rapzilla had an interview with Toby Mac where he dropped a couple uh, facts about DC Talk that we didn't know. What? Uh, he is one of the pioneers of Christian music, especially Christian rock and rap. And he explains his original MC name and how he and Michael Tate schemed churches into playing hip hop. Uh, so he said very few people know this story. Uh, and, of course, anytime you hear that from someone with such a status as his, your ears perk up. Mm-hmm. Uh, Toby went back to 1987 when he was just starting out. He began rapping and Michael Tate was singing for churches. And this was before Kevin Max had entered the scene. He said, at Liberty University, I was DC Talk. That's what they called me. It was just me. That was his rap name, DC Talk. When I would go out with Michael Tate, he would sing before people spoke at events. It so happens that Michael booked a whole summer of shows based on that. He was a part of the singing team. He continued, I went with him and I had written a couple songs, Heaven Bound, Spinning Round. And Michael would be in front of the church every night singing. And then he'd say, I have a friend here in the audience who's running my sound. His name is Toby. He and I do something different together that probably wouldn't be right for the service unless you guys think it would be. He would look at the pastor and they'd say, go for it. And we turned that into a DC talk concert. Toby said that they, if they had been outright about bringing rap into the service, it would have been a no every week. Absolutely. But by doing it this way, they worked it into the program every week. It was a scheme that worked out. Uh, he then went on to say that once Forefront Records signed them, they suggested the whole band be known as DC talk, which Toby was against at first. He said that would be like saying uh, three people are Lecrae. You know, <laughs> it's true, uh, but it certainly did work out for them. Uh, but that has two very interesting facts that number one, that was his rap name. It wasn't the uh, in, later on in the article. He also said we pointed out originally they were going to call themselves DC Talk and the One Way Crew. And you can ah. see that on the Heavenbound cover. It's a picture of them in front of a graffiti wall. And on the back of the wall there, it says One Way, one way Crew. It's spray painted on it. Uh, to the point where some people thought that that was the title of the album. Okay. But really, it's just their self-titled album. But, uh, yeah, it was him. Like, the first album was supposed to be him. DC Talk, the rapper, and the one-way crew, his backup group. <laughs> that That is really... I got to say, that's interesting. Yeah. It's super interesting. I don't know how I feel, though, about the fact that they, like... Scheme. Scheme <laughs> I mean, that was. I mean, they did it technically. Was clever of them. They did technically get permission. It was said, We're going to do something weird. Can we do it? And they said, better to, better to ask forgiveness than permission <laughs> most of the time. But but it definitely was a bit of a scam. Yeah. <laughs> but that puts into a, a weird perspective for me because you know I've always thought of Toby Mac as being the. The front man and the guy that started it all kind of thing. Yeah. The most popular guy. And really, he was the sound man for Michael Tate. And yeah. that's how it got started. Michael Tate was the big singer. And Toby Mack came along. Yeah. And that's how they got popular. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's so strange to someone that I've... Uh, a band that I've followed since I was uh, eight, I think. Yeah. You know? And learning something so drastically new 
about their life and their career. That's, really yeah. cool. Really cool. Learn something new every day. It's pretty fascinating. <laughs> well, when we get back, seven lies about singleness. We'll be back at the top of the hour. Stick around. Back Girl Morning Show on this third hour. We are glad to have you with us. It's Wednesday, not Tuesday. Wednesday. I said Tuesday earlier. If you you did here. say. But it's Wednesday. Oh, wicked, wicked I'm aware. Wednesday. Hey, what hump is your day. favorite? <laughs> you always throw in that hump day at a weird time. What That's, is your... It's my thing now. Sorry. Hey, what day is it? Hey, what day is it? <laughs> Hello, family. <laughs> what day is it, family? Uh, what is your favorite Christian fiction genre? Is it Amish romance, sports stories, or rapture and revelation pieces? I've never read Amish romance. Deidre reads it all the time. If you said yes to any of those, stay away from Michael P. Mordanga's hit story, The Boy and His Curse. This story is so far away from Amish romance, poor interpretations of revelations, or sports stories that you won't recognize it. Instead, you'll get pure classical fantasy in the same style of Tolkien and C.S. Lewis. Fans are saying that if you like Lewis's Space Trilogy or Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, you'll have no trouble eating up this story. Follow Ethan Miyoko, a high school student who just wants to fit in, as he gets into a horrible accident. At the driver's exam, he hits an old lady and is given eternal bad luck. His life becomes a constant death trap as random dogs chase him, and his house catches on fire. His only refuge is a mystical land called Feria where the cure to his curse lies. Ethan will enter a world of self-righteous fairies, epic mythical beasts, savage troll warriors, and a ton of awkward problems for a teenager. The Boy and His Curse was written by the creator of Sunday School Answers and promises the same bizarre humor. The Boy and His Curse is just $2.99, $2.99 on Amazon Kindle or free if you have the Kindle Unlimited account or Amazon Prime. The Boy and His Curse will be your next great addiction. Pick it up today. You know, even when you say addiction, even though I know that's the line, I still like look Here, up at you addition. like, no, it's, it's supposed to be addition. No, it's not. Never mind. <laughs> addition to your library or addiction to your, In your life. brain face. <laughs> yep. Today on our show, we are diving back into the topic of singleness. We talked about that yesterday. We talked about five ways that you could be a happy single person. Uh, and we felt that that list, while good, was, was lacking. lacking. So <laughs> we're going to take another stab at it with another list. This comes from the Facts and Trends blog, one of my favorite places on the internet, by author Sam Alibari. Uh He presented seven, uh, well, basically we're, we're busting seven lies about singleness, seven myths about singleness today. I like debunking myths. Debunking? You don't like busting myths? Well... <laughs> 
I thought you were being specific about the word. I thought that's what was happening. I'm sorry. I misinterpreted what you were saying. You're just, uh, you're just saying. You're just saying. I enjoy this. I stop enjoy being critical. It. I'm not trying to be critical. Everybody in my life is so critical of me. I can't deal anymore. Can't say the right word. Can't use the right accent. Uh. <laughs> sorry. Maybe I should. I bought the weird snacks. Honey <laughs> sriracha combos are weird, apparently. <laughs> Matt doesn't like the smell of them in the studio. Do you not? I can't smell them. Okay. I just, poke, I just needed a third thing to poke fun at you about. I bought a pepperoni <laughs> stick instead of a beef stick. I didn't smell that either. How was that, by the way? You've never had good. one before. No, I, mean, I ate the whole thing. Oh, you did. Yeah. <laughs> it was good. It's. Uh, it's Two feet of meat right there. Big, is it big two? Old. It is two feet, huh? Well, it's pretty long. No? It's about a foot and a half at least. Yeah. Of pepperoni. <laughs> it was good. It was Does yummy. it taste like pizza and pepperoni? Not, or no. does it? What does it taste no. like? Does it taste it more tasted like a, more like just beef jerky. Beef jerky? Regular beef jerky. Couldn't tell that it was oh, pepperoni. So I had... This is completely off track. Before we dive into singleness, just because we're talking about jerky and pepperoni. Have you seen the pizza-shaped bag of pepperoni jerky Mm-mm. at Walmart or anywhere. No. Uh, it comes from the guys that made the YouTube channel Epic Meal Time. Uh, this is like Epic Snack Time or something. They came out with pepperoni jerky. They came with normal pepperoni flavor and they came with like a supreme pizza flavor. But it's literal big slices of pepperoni that they've jerkified. Okay. And me and John bought a bag and we were eating them. And we're sitting there like, I mean... Tastes all right, but something's off about it. And then we realized this is a dog treat. <gasps> I mean, it's not really, it's not made for dogs, but it tastes like dog food. Like what you would, a snack you would make for dogs, like a pepperoni or something like yeah. that. Like this, I think this is what dogs would eat. <laughs> and so that really spoiled it for us. Yeah. So sorry, Epic Snack Time. You're not a sponsor, of course, but. Uh, Man, it wasn't bad. He wasn't a fan. <laughs> it wasn't bad. It just it started bringing up ideas of this is what a dog should eat. Mm. It's like, I mean, begging strips look good, but they're for dogs. They're guys. for dogs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here are seven lies the church tends to believe about singleness. We're going to dive into this list and see what we think about it. Number one, that singleness is bad for you. Uh, a lot of people have this idea that not fulfilling your romantic or sexual desires is repressive and harmful. Uh, therefore, Christian celibacy is therefore to be avoided at all costs. And we kind of talked about this yesterday. We talked about how we're we're afraid of having pastors that don't have a spouse and children. And that means that we are eliminating, basically, the opportunity for a single pastor yeah. to preach, yeah. to be a pastor. Uh, even if that's what God's calling him to do. Uh, like we said uh, yesterday, too, is Paul had a very different perspective. Uh, he said in 1 Corinthians 7, uh, 28, and then 32 to 33, those who marry will have worldly troubles, and I would spare you that. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. Wow. 
Yeah. I mean, he went, he went all in about how it's okay to be single. Yeah. <laughs> Especially uh, as a believer. I mean, that even to, to me kind of feels like it's not okay to be married. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that was a little... <laughs> Marriage is bad. <laughs> That's just that verse. We've interpreted it all wrong. <laughs> right? <laughs> I want to spare you. I want to free you from those anxieties. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. Yeah, he, yep. uh, <laughs> that's exactly what <laughs> it sounds <no>. like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's easy for us to compare the downs of singleness with the ups of marriage and not to realize that there are downs of marriage, worldly troubles, and ups of singleness, freedom to be devoted to the Lord in a way that is undivided. Uh, so that's, I mean, that's just right there. The perfect debunking of that whole thing right from the get-go. Mm-hmm. It's and not a bad our, thing. And we're done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's all we, we have need. seven, but we, we only, only need, need this one. First one. <laughs> uh, no. Number two, the idea that singleness requires some sort of special calling. Um, like a nun? Yeah, or, or a priest. Yeah. You know, in the Catholic Church, both of them seem to be called to, to celibacy, celibacy. Yeah. as a part of that job. Um and I think that we think that it's some sort of special gift uh, that God gives us to be single because we think that it's intrinsically bad to be single, you know? Like, it has to be a special case. Like, you're, you're one of God's special projects, <laughs> so you're going to be single forever. <laughs> and that's just not... That's just not... Uh, it's not... <laughs> Oh, Number three, another myth: that singleness means you have no intimacy. Uh, again, and I kind of I was trying to word this yesterday that we put too much emphasis on relationships and sex as something that's vital to the human experience, and mm-hmm. if you've never experienced that, then you'll never have a big portion life. of your life. You have a fulfilled yeah. life, uh, and a part of that comes from the fact that you think that. If you're on in a romantic relationship, you will never experience intimacy, which is a, a key thing that we crave as humans, mm-hmm. single or not. Um, and that's exactly what they're saying here in this article is that our culture and often the church has so conflated sex and intimacy that we find it hard to conceive of any form of intimacy that's not ultimately about sex. Um, but... The Bible shows us several times that it's very possible to have real intimacy with people that have nothing to do with sex. Yeah. You know, uh, for example, Jesus was very close with some of his disciples mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a very intimate way, not in a sexual way, not in a an weird and appropriate way, but in a way that you let you're able to let your guard down. You're able to be yourself around this person yeah. and you are able to share some of your deepest thoughts and uh, struggles, and I mean, I'm saying Jesus had struggles per se, but but you know what I mean—a closeness, a relationship that that has absolutely nothing to do with romance, but everything to do with that vulnerability that comes with intimacy. Yeah. Um. I mean, it's just it's it's uh, it's something that we crave almost above a sexual relationship is being understood. Mm-hmm. You know, being. Being known in a way that most people won't know you. And that's that's another thing that we learned kind of in Celebrate Recovery. 
I feel like Celebrate Recovery is 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 uh, building itself up to be a place where you can be vulnerable in a way that you don't feel comfortable being vulnerable anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And that has nothing to do with relationships. In fact, it's specifically trying to avoid any relationships while you're in recovery. But um, it is all about letting your guard down and being real instead of having to wear that mask all the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's exactly what I see. And I think it's absolutely true. Mm-hmm. Much The Bible has much broader categories of intimacy than we typically do, is basically what I mean. Uh, number four, singleness means no family. <clears throat> you know that, that phrase, blood is thicker than water? Mm-hmm. Have you heard what it really is? Like no. the phrase really means? No. That is, that's over time lost the meaning, the original meaning of the phrase. The full phrase is... Uh, blood is thicker than water, but, oh, dang it. Man, now I forgot. I got to Google it. Matthew. <laughs> Full phrase, blood is thicker than water. As soon as I see it, I'm like, duh. Okay, yeah. The full phrase is the blood of the covenant is thicker than the water of the womb. That's the whole actual phrase. And what that actually means is we're... We choose our family, mm-hmm. not, uh, or we chose who we're close to. We choose who we're close mm-hmm. to. Um, so it's it's the exact opposite of blood is thicker than water. It's the people that we choose to be our family are much closer than the ones that we're bound to. That's interesting. By being born. Yeah. Uh, being born into, which makes a lot of sense uh, when it comes to the way people interact mm-hmm. and people grow, um, you know, and it it works with spouses too. Cause I mean, you choose your spouse. This is a covenant that you make that you've chosen into and that becomes your family. And that's exactly what the Bible says is that when you marry, you leave your family, you mm-hmm. leave your, your mother and your father and you become one with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the same way, friendships and the people that you choose to surround yourself with, those are your real family in this life. When it comes to the, uh, people that you choose to be around. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, it's sad that not everybody has a closeness with their actual birth family, but it's a true case. A lot of people don't, a lot of people don't see themselves as super close. Mm-hmm. I'm not really close with my brothers and I don't see that ever changing. Yeah. We're different, different people. Uh, but that doesn't mean I don't love them, but it does mean that, you know, they're not close to me. I don't let my guard down around them. I don't feel that kind of intimacy with them. Right. But I do find intimacy with the friends that I see, the friends that I work with in ministry, the, uh, my spouse, of course. Um, but you can find that elsewhere. You build your own family. That's mm-hmm. pretty much what we're going for here, which is exactly what Jesus did. You know, Jesus built his own family here on earth as well as having his, his birth family. Mm-hmm. He built the disciples. That's what Paul did. You know, he was, uh, he's famously known as the single apostle. Uh, but he said in Mark, uh, no, he's, uh, in Mark 10, 29, 30, he didn't say this, but in Mark 10, 29, 30, you know, it says that we kind of find ourselves with an abundance of mothers, fathers, brothers, sisters, sons, and daughters, because we're all part of the family of God. Mm-hmm. And Paul, the single apostle, uh, did a, a like spiritual begetting with Timothy and Titus and many others who were his, uh, quote unquote, true children in in Christ from Titus one, four. So this is this this notion that well you'll be alone forever 
I guess, is the fear that you have when you're single. You know, if I'm going to choose to be single, I'm going to be alone for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. That's just not the case. Right. The gospel puts us into a family. Let's put it that way. Number five, singleness is a hindrance to ministry. <laughs> uh, I, I tweeted earlier this week. How does a pastor without any kids come up with any illustrations for a sermon? <laughs> <laughs> but it's we, the truth. Yeah, I mean, we have that idea. How could a single person ever effectively serve as a pastor? Don't we need to be married with kids in order to minister to those who are married with kids? And that's the justification that we usually use. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul expects pastors to be faithfully married, uh, but he doesn't mean marriage is required of them. Uh, he says in First Timothy 3, 2, in fact, being single can provide unique opportunities to objectively speak to some issues of family life that might not be the case if one was married. Paul assumes singleness will actually be an advantage in Christian ministry rather than a hindrance, uh, as we said up above in 1 Corinthians 7. Um, you know, it's it's a single person has a freedom and capacity that they wouldn't have if they were married. Mm-hmm. Number six, singleness is a waste of sexuality. Now, that's where we were talking about earlier. You know, it's if you don't have a sexual life, you can't be fulfilled. Okay. We put that up there and that that idea of this is so big in life. You yeah. have to have sex at some point. Uh, if someone remains celibate their whole life, isn't that a waste of the huge dimension of their humanity? Doesn't it neglect the fact that God made us sexual beings? The Bible provides a far loftier version for human sexuality than anything our culture offers. It points ultimately to Christ's union with his people. That's the ultimate marriage that we're all designed for. Marriage shows us its shape. Singleness Uh, shows us its sufficiency we don't have to satisfy our sexual desires in this life in order to fulfill our purpose Uh, instead this points to a deeper yearning a closer union uh, and a greater consummation with you know our our spiritual marriage being the bride of christ Mm. per se that doesn't necessarily mean sex uh it's just so permeated in our culture can you imagine separating Sex from our culture at this point. I mean, it's it's impossible I to. I was going to say I don't know how I feel about the fact that I. My answer is no. Like I don't. I can't imagine doing it, but right. it's that makes me feel terrible for saying <laughs> that. Yeah. That, yeah. I mean, we're in a culture right now where there's so much pornography in the world. We can't even estimate how much there is. We're so like, for example, here's here's a here's a a visual for you, a mental image here. If we stopped making pornography today, if there was never any more uh, professionally made, amateur made, whatever pornography produced from this day forward, and someone was born tomorrow. And they lived 120 years. And they spent that entire 120 years from the moment they were born to the moment they died, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, watching just video pornography. They would live their entire life and never have to see the same video twice. Well, let me take it further. According to our best estimates of how much pornography exists, that 120 straight years of pornography accounts for only 
0.1% to 0.0001% of what exists right now. Wow. There is so much that it is infathomable how much really exists. And so to say that it's, to even think that it would be possible to separate sex from our culture. Yeah. Is just, we're at a point where it's a point of no return. Yeah. There's, there is no more battle. We've lost the battle. <laughs> There's no beating this at this point. Now it comes down, or well, I'm sorry. We've lost the war. Let's put it that way. Yeah. We've lost the war. The only way to win is the individual battle. Yeah. Of person to person overcoming the addictions to pornography and sex and stuff like that. Oh. That was a tangent, sorry. That was a tangent. Last one, number seven, myth about singleness is that singleness is easy. Uh, This is kind of a different direction from the rest of them. Uh, Perhaps those struggling through a tough season of marriage or those overwhelmed by the busyness of life with children at home look wistfully at the single person and imagine how much easier life must be without a family. There are unique advantages to singleness, sure, and there are also unique trials, uh, not least not least in a cultural context where so much in life and even in church revolves around couples and nuclear families. Mm-hmm. And we kind of talked about that before with on a different topic about our friend who came to a party full of couples. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even though that party wasn't like a couple party, a couples only party where we're teaming up in couples to play a game and yeah. this one person is left out. But when you're the only person there not a part of a couple... You feel that way. Yeah. You feel isolated. You feel singled out. The same thing happens like when uh, with the same person in our life is how I get the story. But the same thing happens when you don't have kids and all of your couple friends have kids. Yeah. You feel isolated. Um, that's tough. That's tough to be in. Yeah. That's a tough situation to be in. And ultimately, uh, even if you're not trying, that does typically result in kind of not hanging out as much anymore because yeah. you don't feel like you have that much in common anymore. Uh, loneliness can be a huge battle as can not knowing who to vacation with or who will be there when you are in old age and you have all these questions you don't really think about when you're part of a family you're part of a couple but in this world uh, we will always have uncertainty in life uh, neither marriage nor singleness will ultimately fix our problems all of us will only find real contentment and satisfaction in Christ so those are seven myths I again, liked this list a lot better than yesterday's list. Yeah, and this is by Sam Alaberry again. This is from Facts and Trends. Go read the whole article, a lot more to it, uh, over at the Facts and Trends blog, uh, Lifeway blog. But yeah, very good list. Mm-hmm. Very good list. Educated me a little bit. Yeah. Again, as we talked about yesterday, I've never been single. <laughs> <laughs> whole new territory to Matt. Whole new territory. Doesn't really. Not really bragging about it. Because, again, yesterday we went all into the reason why I've never been single. Because I'm a messed up person. (laughs) You know, now that I think about it, I think since fourth grade, I don't think I've ever been single. Yeah, for more than a few. For more, yeah. (laughs) I mean, if you think about the idea of being content being single, then I've definitely never been in that mindset. Because if I've... If I've not been in a relationship, I'm looking for the next relationship. Yeah. That's how I've always been. Yeah. Well, and you are probably a little bit of a better person than I am. Because <laughs> you and Daedra started no doubt. dating. <laughs> Shut up. You and Daedra started dating very early. Mm-hmm. 
And that's about the time that I started realizing, okay, I'm going to break up with them before they break up with me. And I'm going to find the next person to date before I break up with them so that I'm not. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. So not only have I not been single, but I've definitely not ever been content. Sometimes I've been dating two people. Sometimes I've been, yeah. Some overlap there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's it's hard to find that contentment. Yeah. And so, gosh, if there is a single person out there who finds contentment, Mm -hmm. I admire that person. Oh, yeah. And, uh, again, I feel like that's rare in our culture. But it's certainly possible. That's why you got to have a better mindset about being single. Right. All right. Are we ready for our We need a song getting into this. Sorry. No. (laughs) (laughs) I prefer that. All right, Doug. That's what it sounds like. My kids have started watching it. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. I tried to get Eli to watch one the other day. It's too early. It's our favorite. Too early for him. He didn't like it. Uh, Okay. Aua for today. What is your cure for hiccups? You You want me to go first? You know why I put that one in Because yours is going to be longer. (laughs) I simply drink water upside down. That doesn't sound simple. <laughs> that sounds very complicated. <laughs> no, you just bend over at the waist uh-huh. and have either a cup or a water bottle. On your top jaw, right? You have to lift it with your top uh-huh. teeth. Yeah. yeah. That's weird. And weird. Although, so my husband told me, I don't know why I never realized this. You can just simply, while standing upright, take a sip of water without swallowing it. Then bend over and <laughs> swallow the water. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you. I would have been doing it the hard way. <laughs> I know. Well, and that's the way that I was taught. Like, I remember my dad teaching me as a kid to drink water upside down. And then the first time that I had hiccups and I had to drink water upside down in front of Chris, he was like, what are you doing? I said, drinking water upside down. And he said, why don't you just put it in your mouth while standing upright and then bend over? Oh. You know, a tablespoon of peanut butter also works. Really? Yes. I never thought of My that. My seventh grade math teacher used to keep a jar of peanut butter in her filing cabinet for people with hiccups until she realized that a lot of kids would just come to her classroom and be like, oh. <laughs> and she's like, uh huh, yeah, okay. Uh, I thought you were going to say until she realized a lot of her kids had peanut allergies. Oh. Two died. No, in the that was. Hiccup War of 23. Nope. No. Um, alright. <laughs> I, uh, Mo knows this. Have a superpower. I have a superpower. I, in nine times out of ten, it doesn't always work, but almost always it works. Can just sit there and focus on my throat muscles and just stop them. Normally I hiccup one time and I'm like, nope. Superpowers engage. <laughs> and I'm done. And they don't come back. But every now and then I get what are called the death hiccups. And those are those really deep hiccups. <coughs> what happened there? <coughs> Honey sriracha combo go down the wrong pipe? <laughs> yep. A little bit. Oh. <laughs> I've ate 
ate half of this bag and they have not been and hot. And suddenly you forgot how to eat. <laughs> no, no, it's super spicy just all really, of a sudden. Just, just that really, one. Really spice packed Like they one. put all the sriracha in the one that I just ate. It's a bag full of honey ones and then there's the one sriracha. One sriracha. It's a prank bag. <laughs> it's just like those bean boozled things. One Sorry, of these tastes I... like dog vomit. The other tastes like green apple. Which one will it be? They look exactly the same. Anyway, that's Sorry. my superpower. I, I can shut them off. But every now and then I get those death hiccups, those really deep <laughs> hiccups, you know, the ones that hurt you. Yeah. It doesn't work on those. <laughs> I have realized that when I eat too fast, and I'm not even realizing that I'm eating too fast, but that's when the death hiccups yeah. come on. I get that too. It all it's specific foods too. Like it's like rice. Yeah. If I'm eating fried rice or any dry rice kind of thing, I'll get them immediately because really? I'll eat it way too fast. And then I'll get those boom. Like, oh gosh, I need to slow down. I don't know why. When it's rice, like fried rice or whatever, I just start shoveling it into my mouth. Okay, so mine's pizza. You can eat pizza that fast that you get hiccups? Heck yeah, I can eat pizza that fast. <laughs> I think I savor pizza. I was shoveling it in <laughs> the other night. And all of a sudden, like it almost feels like it's stuck in your throat. Yeah. You know, those hiccups. Mm-hmm. Okay. I got you. Uh-huh. I got you, got you. All right. Well, stick around. We'll be back soon to close out the show. Welcome back to the Back Row Morning Show as we are ready to close out the show for the day with your Bible verse for the day and thought for the day. Bible verse for the day is Proverbs 17.9. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but whoever repeats a matter separates close friends. And our thought for the day comes from We Are Messengers. Righteousness doesn't have to be popular, just has to be righteous. (laughs) Just has to be righteous. I mean... Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you to our sponsor, A Boy and His Curse by Michael P. Mordenga, available on Amazon now. Go pick it up. We're here every Monday through Thursday starting at 7 a.m. Eastern, 4 a.m. Pacific with an encore presentation at 10 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific. If you ever miss one of our shows, you can find all the chatty bits mashed together for you into a podcast or on backrowradio.com. And as always, don't forget to connect with all aspects of The Back Row by visiting thebackrow.org and join our meme pack. Meme? Packed. Meme? Packed. <laughs> Facebook group at brbchurch.com. If you love what we do here at the Back Row Morning Show and on Back Row Radio in general, please consider partnering with us over at patreon.com slash backrowradio. If you have never been a part of Patreon before, if you've never donated, uh, it's it's kind of like a, a, a monthly subscription service where you're dedicating to help out the the things that you love, to fund a, a specific project. And as a part of that, we have tier levels where the more you choose to donate each month, uh, you get a bit of a perk. And so we have things like free uh, free digital download books. We have, we'll send you some, some gifts here and there. We'll put your name in lights and link to whatever you want on our website. Uh, but we also have our top tier. 
And our top tier, it's expensive, but the perk is super awesome. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm going to believe that there might be somebody out there who can afford to do this and who would want to do this. Absolutely. Because if you haven't seen yet, you need to go online and look at our undisputed back row championship title belt. It is dope. It looks amazing around a shoulder or a waist. And now it can be yours. You can prove to everyone in your church that you are the undisputed <laughs> back row champion of your church by joining our top tier we will send you this quality leather or it might be faux leather but it feels right feels real (laughs) silver title belt it's really dope and uh i love mine i'm never giving it away unless i buy (laughs) another one but anyway that's our top tier man that's the best gift but you don't have to give that much i don't even say how much it was i think it's 200 dollars a month that's our top tier but you can give as little as like five bucks a month, you know, don't go to Starbucks one time in your month. Help us keep back row radio growing, help this ministry continue to reach Christians with all flavors of Christian music. Eh? Eh. All right. Hey, Mo, what's the final word? Honey, Sriracha combos. <laughs> Maybe the death of me. <laughs> That's it for today's show. If you need us, we'll be in the back. Bye.